Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Southwoods. We're thrilled every time you're here. But every day is a new day. Every Sunday is a new Sunday. And every time God shows up, something happens. And so I hope you came prepared for God to show up and something's going to happen today. Because God's an amazing, faithful, and wonderful God. All right, we have, woo, announcements. Are you excited? Is I'm excited because I have to say them all, so you're going to have to listen to me for a minute. Okay, first of all, Chiefs are playing today, right? Yeah, yeah, but Jesus first, so shame on you, whoever did that. Yeah, okay. All right. (laughs) There should be in front of you a Connect card. If you haven't done this yet, make sure you get out your phone, scan that QR code, Um, so you can get access to the new website. It is under construction, so we're asking that you be patient with uh, the stuff that's not working exactly the way it's supposed to be. Um, Exciting, Tuesday, October 18th, the Torah study is starting. I hope you're all signed up for that. If not, um, the QR code is on a flyer in the back, so make sure you get that. Um, If you have not grabbed your communion for this morning, make sure you go ahead and do that because we're going to do that a little bit later. Midweek, every Wednesday in October from 7 to 8 p.m. We want to see you here. We want to see you getting blessed by the word. Um, It's an opportunity to have a God moment in the middle of the week. Um, Trunk or treat, yeah, that's coming up. We need volunteers need somebody to decorate or decorate your trunk. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to happen, but I know Kristen will be able to help you with that. All right. And last but certainly not least, a gigantic, humongous, amazing, wonderful, big thank you to Ken Jackson and all of the volunteers who helped yesterday for the workday cleaning and campus. Let's give them a round of applause. They are awesome. They did an awesome job. And God bless them for all of their hard work. All right. Let's stand up, and I'm going to pray us in to the next song. Oh, Lord God Almighty, that first song. Not going to wait. I love those words. We're not going to wait this morning. We're going to praise you. We're going to worship you. We're going to just fight to get into your presence because that's exactly where we need to be for whatever it is we came in with today. Maybe we came in with our heart full of joy or maybe we came in with struggles. Whatever it is, Lord, I know you're going to be there. We just praise you. Thank you. Have your way in this place. Have your way in us. Holy Spirit, move in power. In Jesus' name, amen.
praise you guys sound awesome i can't see you very well but i can hear you <laughs> that's awesome all right let's take a minute to turn around and say hi to somebody
work to do in this song, church. Get ready to surrender. Hey! 
faithful God, the amazing God, the God who is our healer, the God who is our provider, the God who comforts us, the God who is our savior. Thank you for all you are. Thank you for all you do. And Lord, may our hearts be grateful every single day. Remind us by the power of your Holy Spirit that gratefulness provides so much in our spirit and in our soul and in our mind. We need to be grateful. So this morning, we are grateful for your goodness, your mercy, your love for everything you are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take a look at the screen to see some ways to give. 
I wish I could groove like that. I just can't. I love that music. So, well, good morning, Southwoods. It's good to see you this morning. You know, we're in a message series uh, that we started last week. We're talking about the good, the bad, the ugly of fear is what we're talking about. Uh, to, uh, last week, we talked about uh, the good kind of fear. And today, we're talking about the bad kind of fear. We all know that life is filled with fear, right? I mean, it's real fears, imagined fears. I mean, people are afraid of car accidents, drowning, burglary, cats. <laughs> afraid of all kinds of things, right? Experts say there are hundreds and hundreds of different fears out there. But you may or may not realize that according to the Bible, there is one kind of fear that is worse than all the others. I mean, there's one kind of fear that is common to all of humanity. Everyone confronts it, faces it. Everyone has to conquer it. It's probably the single most spiritually debilitating fear in all of the panorama of fears that are out there. According to the Bible, it's spiritually dangerous for you, for me. Something the Bible calls, depending on your Bible translation, it's called the fear of man or fearing people. Same thing, it's fearing man, mankind, or fearing people. And whether you realize it or not, we're all very well acquainted with this fear. Have you ever asked, you know, a kind of thought to yourself, what will people think if I post this picture? You ever thought that? What will people think if I, in this situation, were to say what I really think and believe? What will people think? I mean, every one of us has thought that, right? I mean, everybody, no exceptions. Every day, multiple times a day, you and I are tempted to speak or act on the basis of what we think people will think, right? Specifically, what we're doing is we're trying to anticipate. This is how it works. We're trying to anticipate, will people reject us or approve of us if we say or do certain things? That's what we're doing in our heads. And generally, those who are governed by the fear of man, those who are sort of under its control, always want to be approved of, always want to be thought well of by the most people possible when it comes to the things they say and do. We sort of characterize this sometimes in our day as political correctness. But it's more than just political correctness. This is so common in our society that vast amounts of human behavior is painstakingly disguised, but in truth, it's really an attempt to just gain people's approval or avoid people's rejection. Those aren't two different things, by the way. I want you to think with me about this. If I want to gain your approval, I need to avoid being rejected by you, right? All right? If I want to avoid being rejected by you, I got to look for ways to gain your approval, right? I mean, th these, these two different things are really opposite sides of the exact same coin is what they are. Either way... It has the potential for being characterized as what the Bible describes as fearing 
people, the fear of man. It's incredibly common. I mean, think of the workplace. How many people use profanity in the workplace because they think it will help them fit in? Probably the majority. I mean, they, they don't want to be the only person who's not vulgar with their language, so, you know, this is just work. They go home, they don't talk like that. They don't want their kids to talk like that. They don't. What are they, what are, what's going on in that situation? The fear of what people might think, the lack of approval I might get, or the rejection I might receive, is governing their vocabulary. Do you see? Do you see it? Think about it this way. Some people strategically drop the names of important people they know into conversations, into emails, where they don't really need to do that. Why? Because they feel like maybe it'll sweeten the relationship a little bit, it'll, it'll gain them a little credibility, a little respect, a little approval, right? I could go on and on with these kinds of illustrations, but the point is, Every single day, multiple times a day in our culture, you and I are tempted to speak or act on the basis of whether or not we think people will reject us or approve of us. That's just our world. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with people liking and approving of you and me. There's nothing, nothing inherent, you know, nothing intrinsic, there's no virtue in being unpopular. There's no virtue in being a social nonconformist. Some people think there is, but that's their own issue. The majority of us just understand we, we're, we're trying to like connect with people relationally and so, you know, we're sensitive to this stuff, but the Bible wants us to understand that this whole matter can go way too far off the rails and it's spiritually dangerous and detrimental. I want you to listen to what the Bible, the warning the Bible gives us. It's really a key passage for today. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. It's a passage worth remembering, but Proverbs 29, 25 says this, fearing people, or some of the older translations, the fear of man, okay, fearing people, is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. It's a really short verse. Just want you to want you to just read it out loud with me, okay? Just indulge me if you would. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, and trusting the Lord means safety. It's a dangerous trap, is what the text is telling us. Want you to think about that. I mean, think of I set a trap outside in my backyard several. Uh, years ago, because I had a garden, and it was a lovely garden this, that particular year. I had all kinds of, of honeydew and, and a cantaloupe and all these melons out there. And one day I walked out there and I noticed that something had burrowed like a, a funnel hole into, I mean, just like sort of like a, it was like a, a cylindrical hole into one of these, a couple, actually a couple of these melons had ruined it. I didn't like that. So I'm studying this, trying to figure it out, do a little research, and uh, I set a cage out there. Uh, and to my great surprise, one day I caught a possum. 
who was like annihilating, just obliterating my melons. And he'd gotten most of them before I caught him, sadly. It was a sad year, cause for deep grief, weeping, gnashing of teeth. <laughs> gnashing of teeth with no melon in my mouth. And that was, it was a sad, a sad occasion. For that, uh, for that possum, that was a dangerous trap. And here's the thing, he couldn't get out of it. I mean, he tried like crazy to get out of it. And uh, we took him way out south and let him go on a farmer's field. And I was calling for all the coyotes. Come, <laughs> come, the feast is served. This is, this is what I did. Anyway, I'm, I'm warped, you can tell. Here's the point. The Bible's saying when it comes to this whole matter of fearing, uh, fearing people, the fear of man, it's a dangerous trap. It's a dangerous trap. You can find yourself in it and be trying to figure out how do I get out of this situation? How do I get out of this? In the Bible, we find that it's a more dangerous trap than most of us imagine or believe. We can be inclined to think that it's probably not a good thing to just fall prey to this too much, but we don't realize because we don't think deeply about this, most of us. I, I know for a lot of years, I didn't. We just don't think deeply about how dangerous how detrimental this trap is. And so this morning, I want to give you a few biblical examples of why the Bible warns us about fearing people like it does. I hope that you'll listen really close as I kind of work my way through these, these examples. Uh, I think you'll be intrigued by the examples and by you know, seeing this, this dangerous fear, this dangerous trap capture people in scriptural times. I think you'll be fascinated by it. But my hope beyond that is that you'll be inspired to live for the approval of someone greater than your neighbor, your boss, your boyfriend or girlfriend, your Facebook friends, somebody around you with skin on. Because friends, you and I were made to live for God's approval. We were made to live for an audience of one. And his opinion is the only one that counts. In the end, we know that's true, right? The point is that not just in the end, but today and tomorrow and the next day and every day from today until my end, when I stand before him and begin eternity, my, the, the objective is that I learned to live for him today every bit as devotedly as I would if it was the very last day that I would live. We were made for that, and I'm hopeful that this morning's message can help us if we think deeply about it. So uh, let me give you a few examples of why the Bible warns us so directly as it does there in Proverbs 29, 25, and other passages we could look at this morning. Let me just give you some examples of why the Bible warns us about fearing people the way it does. Here's the first example. In Genesis chapter 12, uh, the Bible tells us that the great patriarch Abraham was traveling on one occasion from Israel to Egypt. And the text says this, if you look on the screen or you can look it up in your Bible, I encourage you, several of these passages I'm going to go through pretty fast, so you might want to just write them down to look at them later. But Genesis 12, verse 11, the Bible says, As he, as Abram, was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarah, Look, 
you're a very beautiful woman. Now, let's just pause right there, okay? Most wives would love to hear that, right? But look where this one goes. Look, you are a very beautiful woman, Abram says. Verse 12, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife? Let's kill him, then we can have her. She was clearly really beautiful if he's in this mind of thinking, right? Verse 13, so Abram says, So please tell them you're my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. Now most of us hear this request, and we just can't, it's like in your mind, you can't compute. It's like we can't believe that Abram would ask his wife to do a thing like this, right? I mean, you just look at this and you just go, this is, this is crazy. Why would you do this? Instinctively, we know something about this is wrong, right? Do you, do you see that? But why did Abram ask his wife to misrepresent their relationship? Why, what could possibly on the planet motivate him to do something that crazy? What? He was afraid of people. Exactly. Fear of man. Fear of people will tempt, hear me, even the most faith-filled among us to say and do some otherwise unthinkable things. You remember how God characterizes Abraham? He's the father of all faith. Don't get any more faith-filled than Abraham. But look what he did. Later on in the biblical text, look what his son Isaac did and learned from him. Same exact thing with his wife. In this instance, Abraham, the biblical father of faith, was afraid of being killed because Sarah, his wife, was a very beautiful woman. You know, this reminds me of a friend of mine, a friend of mine many years ago who was watching the Miss America pageant with his newly married 20-something-year-old bride and her sisters. True story. Uh, he made the mistake as he was watching the Miss America pageant with his wife and sisters, her sisters sitting there. He said, as he's watching the show, he says, I'd never want to be married to someone that beautiful. <laughs> he was young. <laughs> you only make that mistake one time. And I can tell you, it didn't go well for him. It just didn't. And my naive brother-in-law, <clears throat> who, uh, who made the comment, spent the next several weeks fearing people. <laughs> there were three people that he was in, well, actually four people, that he, five people that he was in fear of uh, as he thought about that. And I would just say, it's the bad kind of fear. I mean, he was, he was you know, just, he's still, it's been year, decades since then, and he's still digging out of that hole. But, you know, we learn from Abraham. I mean, and we, we just learn from life that, Fearing people is a dangerous trap. I mean, it will prompt you to do things that in your right mind you would never do, things you would never say. Let me give you another biblical example of why uh, the Bible warns us about fearing people. The second one. The Apostle Paul describes it for us in Galatians chapter 2. You can write it down. Paul writes in Galatians 2 verses 11 and following these words. He, he's describing this scene. He says, when Peter came to Antioch, 
I, and he's, this is Paul speaking, uh, had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. Remember, I just pause right there. Remember the deal with Gentiles were never circumcised, and if you were a Jew and were circumcised, you weren't supposed to eat with a Gentile, right? Remember that? That's a biblical, the, the Old Testament view of things. And, and so this is their heritage, because all of the early, all the apostles were Jews. No exceptions. All of them. All of the early church, Jews. Uh, who, who recognized Jesus as their Messiah. And so verse 12 tells us that when he first arrived, Paul's explaining about Peter, when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, so another group of people show up, he says Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. And he explains, he was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. And then he goes on and says, as a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. <coughs> Excuse me. Gary, would you get my coffee right there? <coughs> Thank you. <coughs> Peter and Barnabas... I want you to think about who they are. Peter, the Apostle Peter. The first one to confess that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Barnabas, <clears throat> used by God to, to perform numerous miracles throughout the book of Acts. Go read it and read about it. Just track his life through there. His faith and faithfulness showed up over and over again. But Peter and Barnabas were men of great faith and courage, but they learned the hard way that fearing people is a dangerous trap. Hear me, it led to favoritism. It led to hypocrisy. It led others astray. But there are worse examples. I want to give you one more biblical example of why the Bible tells us to, to watch out for this whole fear of man thing, and why it's a dangerous trap, because this person really got himself in a trap. When Peter was, or when Jesus was on trial before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, you remember what took place? You've probably thought of all of this, but you maybe not thought of it through this lens. Pilate looked for a way to release Jesus. Why? Because he knew Jesus was innocent, right? He knew he was innocent. Luke 23 tells us, listen to what the Bible says, verse 13 and following, Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and he said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. He's pointing to Jesus. You, you brought me this guy because he's supposedly inciting the people to rebellion. Pilate says, I've examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod. So, I mean, he's already been paraded before Herod for the same reason. Pilate says, neither is Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and release him, Pilate says. 
But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Bible explains Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. What's the point? Why does it even specify this? Because he was a real rebel. He, I mean, he was the one who was truly, you know, inciting rebellion against Rome and so forth. The Bible says, wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has he committed? I found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and release him. You, pause. You notice what he's trying to do? He's trying to reason with them to do the right thing. He's trying to do the just thing in this particular instance. Verse 23 says, But with loud shouts they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed. Verse 24, a pivotal verse, Pilate decided to grant their demand. The miscarriage of justice right here. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder. He re released the rebel, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. Friends, Jesus was crucified because Pilate feared people. You see it? God wants us to understand that fearing people is a dangerous trap. Justice in our world, in our courtrooms, in our boardrooms, in classrooms, in lunchrooms, all over the world, has been corrupted because of the fear of people. Sometimes greed has played a part as another way it happens in some other ways, but more times than not throughout history, the pivotal issue is fearing people more than we fear God. It's a dangerous trap, more dangerous than most of us imagine or believe. If time would allow, we could explore what the Bible says about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a respected religious leader of Jesus' day. He came to speak with Jesus under the cover of darkness and night. Remember that? Why do you do that? He's afraid of people. Why was he slow to acknowledge his belief, his, his conviction that Jesus was the Messiah that they've been waiting for for centuries? Why did he wait so long? Fear of people. There was time we could talk at length about the night of Jesus' betrayal. We could talk about how the Apostle Peter knowingly denied Jesus three times. Why? He's around the campfire. Remember that? Remember around the campfire with the soldiers? What was going on there? What's he? He's afraid of people, the consequences of admitting why were the apostles scattered on that night? Why would you and I, all of us, have been scattered as well if we'd have been there? Why didn't anyone stand up for Jesus in the midst of all of this? 
Because fearing people is a dangerous trap. It's more dangerous than we think. And if you allow yourself, your life to be governed by it, what you find is that you end up deeper in holes and problems than you ever imagined you would go. And getting out of the hole, you can't figure out how to do it. And if it was dangerous back then, you got to understand, it's still dangerous today. It's socially, relationally, judicially, spiritually, in every single way, fearing people is dangerous. So what do we do about it? Proverbs 29, 25 tells us it's just so succinct that it's easy to miss it if we don't think deeply about it. Proverbs 29, 25 says this, fearing people is a dangerous trap. What's it go on to say? But trusting the Lord means safety. Trusting the Lord means safety. We must reject fear and we must learn to trust the Lord. And I would say you need to have learned to trust the Lord before your pilot and Jesus is standing before you and you're having to make the decision there whether you're going to trust God or fear people. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we just think, I can, I can do things on the basis of whether it's going to gain approval or be rejected or whatever, and then I'll just keep doing that. But then when I get to the point where it's like, whoa, here's a big one, uh, I'll, because I know better, I will, I will choose differently. Um, you suppose that after 24, 7, three and a half years of time with Jesus, the disciples knew better than to deny him when he was betrayed. You think they knew better? You bet they did. And Jesus, just before it happened, told them it was all coming. So it's like they even knew what was coming. So how do you do the right thing? What do we do? Some of us think to ourselves, I want to do the right thing, but I'm not sure what to do. Well, Jesus, Jesus understood better than his disciples then and us now that we're going to need some help. Because defeating the fear of man is not just a human battle. It is a spiritual battle. Did you hear what I said? This is part of the dilemma. This is a spiritual battle. Remember what Ephesians 6 tells us? Our struggle is not against what? Some of us know the passage. Flesh and blood. It's not against that. It's against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness in the heavenly realms. This is a spiritual battle. It's true in our individual lives. It's true when you look at a different plane of existence, when you look at our nation. Our struggle with this as a nation is not just social change. It's not. There's a spiritual component to this that honestly drives the rest of it. 
That's why before ascending into heaven, Jesus promised His disciples help. He said in Acts 1.8, He said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And that, just think about that. It's at that point that he's saying, you, you'll really become my witnesses. <clears throat> it's not that you wouldn't maybe acknowledge me before, but you will acknowledge me differently after this. <coughs> he tells him, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And I would just say, friends, if they needed the Holy Spirit, if they needed it, after all the time they spent with Jesus, don't you suppose we need him too? Don't you suppose that we need at least as much as they have, if not more? Of course we do. So let me give you one more biblical example, <clears throat> but this time... I'm going to do it quickly. It's, it's an example of what trusting and fearing God more than fearing people looks like with God's help. It's the picture. It's recorded in Acts 4. The apostle Peter and John, they'd both been arrested in the temple by the very people who persuaded Pilate to crucify Jesus. Think about that. So it's like they didn't have any ambiguity in their mind of what these people were up to and would be willing to do. And when Peter and John were brought into the very same room, think about that, the very same room, the court of the Sanhedrin, that Jesus had been condemned in, okay? Just a number of weeks earlier. The Bible tells us this in Acts 4, verse 8 and following. It says, Peter, then Peter, look at the next words, filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Bob. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? I mean, this is why they've been arrested. Do you, do you want to know how he was healed? I mean, just look at how Peter turns this. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you, reject, you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And the text goes on to say, verse 13, that the members of the council, this is an understatement really, were amazed. Insert the word stunned, shocked, mute, mesmerized. I, they, they just could not believe. They were astonished. They could not comprehend what they were seeing. They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber, conferred among themselves, verse 15 tells us, what should we do with these guys? This is what they're saying. What do we do with these men? They asked each other, we can't deny that they performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. 
But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in Jesus' name. Again, let's pause right here. Think about this. How's that going to work out if you're not afraid of men? Right? How's that going to work? Verse 18. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. They look them in the eye and say, we want you to never, ever speak in the name of Jesus ever again. His name is a curse word in our opinion. We think that you're, you, you should die for what you've done. This is the kind of thing they are trying to intimidate them. But John and, or Peter and John replied, Verse 19, do you think Jesus wants us to obey you rather than him? You think that's what God wants us to do? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Let's pause right there. Do you see why Christianity turned the world upside down? Because it was the one group on the planet in ancient times who feared God and not man. That's what made the difference. They feared God more than they feared what people thought about them, if they posted this or not, or if they should say this or not. With the help of the Holy Spirit, the disciples model for us here an amazing example of what fearing and trusting God fully instead of people looks like. And churches exist today, and I'm standing here preaching Scripture today, and you're in church today because of the faith and faithfulness of these men and women who feared God more than they feared the people around them or even for their lives. How did they do it? They were full of the Holy Spirit and they were fully surrendered to Jesus. It's kind of like the song we sang a little bit ago. Everything and nothing less, I give you. Everything and nothing less, like we talked about last week, when we fear and trust God, which is the good kind of fear, we don't need to fear anyone or anything else ever again. Because I think of the words of Jesus, which we looked at last week. To our shock, he says, all they can do is kill you. But after they kill you, they can't do anything more to you. Remember, we looked at that last week. It is an entirely different way of thinking. But friends, you and I were made by God to live and be empowered by God's spirit to think that way, to behave that way. So like the disciples of old, will you choose to reject fear and trust the Lord? 
more quickly today? Will you choose to live for an audience of one? Will you choose to live for only the applause of heaven? Will you decide that regardless of what other people think, you will follow God? You'll confess to Him your shortcomings, ask for His forgiveness and cleansing, Invite His Holy Spirit to fill you because you know in your heart of hearts you can't do this on your own. None of us can. Fear is too dangerous of a trap, fear of man. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Will you decide to identify yourself with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection through baptism, as Scripture teaches? Will you decide that you'll give God everything and nothing less, everything about you, past, present, future, so that you can learn to live without the fear that's bad, the fear of man. You were made for that. Jesus modeled it. The apostles modeled it with God's help. You can model that. You can model that. We're going to share in the Lord's Supper together in just a moment. It's communion uh, time together. Jesus, who was full of the Holy Spirit, refused to allow fear of any kind to keep him from making the payment for your sins and mine on the cross. And so this morning, as you eat the bread and as you drink the juice, the communion juice, I encourage you to spend a few moments thanking Jesus. And he lived for the Father and not according to the fear of man. Thank him for that. And then ask him to forgive you, to fill you with his Holy Spirit, because, friends, I assure you, you and I will not succeed at this apart from the power, the presence, the help, the working of the Holy Spirit of God. We, we need him. And then spend some time asking Jesus to help you trust and fear God more than people in your life. If there are any situations or circumstances right now where you're being tested by this in some significant ways that the Holy Spirit's brought to your mind, I encourage you, just invite God to help you escape the trap. Escape the trap. Let's pray and then we'll share in communion. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you've made it possible for us to conquer the fear of man if we will humble ourselves and fear you more we acknowledge our need for you this morning we confess to you our many shortcomings and sins we ask for your forgiveness afresh this day we ask Lord that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit apart from you we can do no good thing when we look at your life the fullness of the spirit indwelt you Lord Jesus would you fill us with power with strength strength to overcome temptation sin addiction fear of man
thank you that you've purchased our help on the cross by your stripes. We're forgiven and healed. We ask that you just fill us now as we honor you for what you've done. It's in Christ's name we pray. want to say thanks for coming this morning. I hope that you reflect on the things that we've talked about today. If you've not been with us um, on Wednesday nights uh, the last few weeks, we've had two weeks of uh, In Step with the Spirit, what we've been talking about on Wednesday night, and I uh, hope that you'll uh, consider jumping in even this week, even though uh, you know this week we're, we're talking about prophets, prophecy, and tongues in specific as it relates to uh, the Holy Spirit. So I hope that you'll join us for that. Um, we'll have a couple of links for the last couple of weeks if you missed that, but there's no, no substitute for being together. It just really isn't. So if you can do it, come join us uh, this week. And then uh, we have one more week after this Wednesday night. Then the week, uh, this Tuesday, uh, is the beginning of the new reading session. If you have been reading with us along the way this last several weeks, 270 weeks, consecutive, uh, or days, I sh days or weeks, Days, 270 consecutive days. Thank you. Yeah, two, that's a lot of weeks, isn't it? 270 consecutive days has been a part of our reading plan uh, as we've been reading through the New Testament really since, uh, I 
I forget when we started even. It was a long time ago, 270 days ago. And uh, if you've been a part of that, great. It, it, but I would say if you haven't even been a part of that, you know, I would encourage you to jump in with us on this. We're going to start this Tuesday. You stop by the information table, the, scan the QR code uh, there, and it'll, it'll set up uh, you know, your version app to uh, join us on Tuesday. And uh, <clears throat> some of you say, what is the Torah? It's G- Genesis through Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible. These are, these are uh, you know, if you think of the foundation of biblical truth, I mean, it really begins with those five books. Uh, they, they were the Bible before you started adding in the prophets and all the other stuff. And so uh, if you don't understand the Torah, uh, you miss an immense amount when even you read the New Testament. So my encouragement to you is jump in with us. I think you'll enjoy it. It'll be a blessing in your life. You'll read some things that you've never read before if you've not done that before. But I think uh, think it'll be a blessing. And let's stand together, close in prayer. If you need uh, prayer for some specific need in your life, uh, maybe you get some kind of diagnosis in your life, somebody needs to pray with you about that. Uh, maybe you got some issues, some crisis, whatever. You know, obviously I'm hanging around down here, but I know we got a bunch of people who would be happy, honored to pray for you. Uh, wouldn't it be amazing if God intervened? Sometimes we have not because we ask not. So, uh, so come on down and we'll pray afterwards. Okay, let's bow our heads and then we'll be dismissed. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for every person within the sound of my voice. I'm so grateful for each life your plan and purpose for everyone. We know that, know that your plan and purpose for us is to be your witnesses everywhere we go today, tomorrow, this week, the rest of our lives. Would you fill us with your spirit? Give us wisdom and strength. Help us to fear you more than we fear anything else and to follow you with all of our hearts. We're grateful for your grace that you have loved us as completely as you have. Now go with us and help us to just respond to that every day, the rest of our lives. Go with us now. Sing Jesus' name, we lift this prayer. Amen. Bless you all.